Hi, I'm Stuart Spinks and welcome to episode 182 of my podcast, Beekeeping Short and Sweet. This week I've been waging war on pests and diseases. It's not a complicated process and most would call it good housekeeping. Time then to put on the rubber gloves, light the stove and start the autumn cleanup. Short and Sweet, a beekeeping podcast for the inquisitive beekeeper with a short attention span. A beekeeper, in fact, just like me. I'm delighted to say that our podcast is now sponsored in part by Simon the Beekeeper. Making beekeeping an affordable hobby for everyone, Simon the Beekeeper provides the best value beekeeping equipment possible, along with a super fast delivery service. The bees won't wait, so their customers don't have to either. Visit the website at www.simonthebeekeeper.co.uk Hi everyone, it's podcast time again and I'm in a pretty buoyant mood today. I'm sat here with a smile on my face because for once I've actually done as I've suggested to all of you and got on top of the job in hand, namely cleaning old kit. We've got some hugely important months ahead of us here at the Norfolk Honey Company and I'm determined to make next season the big one. More of that shortly. Firstly though, my weekly weather report couldn't possibly have a podcast without one and it's beginning to cool down quite nicely I would say. Overnight temperatures have dropped back to single figures and the mornings have suddenly become quite chilly. The daytime temperatures are still in the high teens, which allows the bees to get out. But there's no doubt that the overnight temperatures have dropped. And for the first time this autumn, the bees will have been clustering around the brood area to maintain the correct temperatures needed for the brood, what there is to survive. Typically, we're expecting some rain, mainly showers. And this is bound to happen when I'm trying to get into the odd colony to have one final check. I have a couple of colonies I want to just be sure of and a quick check to make sure that they're queen right and if all is well that should be it for the rest of the year until we come to treatments time again. It does look like we'll get some warmer weather over this weekend, something like 17 degrees, so I'll use the time to do these checks. Looking ahead we have a mild spell early next week but then it appears that the weather turns more northerly and the temperatures will drop down to nearer single figures. So I'd like to get my final checks done and the remaining treatments out of the hives this weekend. Possibly the most important task of this week is the final clearing of unused equipment from the apiaries. This is equipment that needs to be cleaned rather than any boxes that are to remain in the apiaries over winter. My preference is to leave the wooden boxes on pallets in the apiary if they're clean and ready to be used. I just don't have the space to store all of that unused kit back at the unit. Everything else needs to be found a space. That's all the boxes that need cleaning and all of the poly kit that I just don't want to leave out in the apiaries for fear of damage by the various pests that are out there. It's a straightforward task really, but one that has always slipped to the lower part of my jobs list until it slowly starts to become urgent into the new year and then panic sets in and we rush around to ensure that we have enough kit ready for the start of the new season. This year 
is going to be different. Now, I know I say this most years, but I've actually had enough of losing kit to Waxmoth. And so this week, believe it or not, I started the process. And I have to say, I feel really quite pleased about it. If you cast your mind back to last week's podcast, I really was quite depressed at the battle with the Waxmoth that I keep losing. It really needed a change in approach. By that, I mean I needed to sort my stuff out and do some work. And that's precisely what I've done this week. One of the biggest challenges I need to address is not quite completing the task in hand. So, for instance, I remove a dead out from an apiary and get it back to the workshop for cleaning, but then I find another task that needs attention, my focus slips, and I forget about the box of comb left over at the workshop. This then becomes a breeding ground for the wax moth, and the cycle continues. This has to stop. So, this week I decided... The priority was very much getting everything cleaned and being in a state where we're ready for next season before this year is out. Like most jobs that get put off, it actually seems like a lot of work, but once started, things move along quite quickly. Last weekend, I decided to start the process and went over to the workshop and dismantled a stack of boxes that were piled up outside the workshop, having been dropped off and forgotten over the latter part of the season just as I mentioned earlier. The stack probably had 20 or so brood boxes, various floors, roofs. In fact, I could have made up several complete hives with what was in that stack. Fortunately, there were quite a number of empty boxes, no frames. Pete had already taken them out and got them ready to go back in, all cleaned and boiled up. So so with no frames in them, it made the task of sifting through them a little easier. All of the kit went into the workshop. Most of it needs a coat of wood treatment at the very least, so it needs to dry out before that can happen. Needless to say, the inside of the workshop is now a little cramped, but outside has been reduced to empty pallets and a stack of a couple of hundred frames that need cutting out and cleaning. On Wednesday of this week, I managed to drag Steph over to the workshop where the plan was to begin that clean-up of the frames. I think focusing on one specific task will help get the job done faster, rather than doing a bit here and a bit there, changing jobs, and all of that kind of stop-start messing around. Of course, I have to allow for a discussion with Pete about my new plans for queen-rearing next year, the adaptation of nuke boxes and the like, but more of that in the coming months. Once Pete and I get chatting, things can go sideways quite quickly, but luckily Steph was on hand to bring us back to the job of the day, cleaning frames. The process I have is very straightforward. I break it down into three distinct tasks, really, and each can be performed in isolation. Each of these can be carried out regardless of the number of colonies that you have, so you could follow the same process. It may need a slight change in equipment. I'm using slightly larger scale kit that you might need for just a dozen colonies or so, but the process is just the same. Firstly, we cut out the wax from the frames and render it down. Brood frames are a challenge in that they are wired foundation, so there are wires that need to be cut through as well as the wax. I find an old bread knife works well, but on this occasion I had a stout-handled, short-bladed knife that Pete tells me is used to cut putty out of old windows. 
The good thing about it was the weight, a good heavy knife that cut through the wax and wires nicely. I had the task of cutting out the brood comb while Pete and Steph took on the more fiddly job of cleaning the frames back to the wood as much as possible. Scraping off the excess wax and propolis now means less time in the tank when they're boiled, the next part of the task, so it pays to do as good a job as possible. Once I had the rectangular slabs of old comb cut out, I could drop them into the wax steamer. This is a large stainless steel drum that has a reservoir of water in the bottom fed by an inlet on one side. The burner heats up the water until it boils and the steam produced travels up a pipe and out of a T-section within the main body of the tank. Inside the tank is a separate mesh-like insert that allows the molten wax and condensed hot water to run down and out of the outlet pipe into a collection bucket. The original design was for the frames to be placed inside the basket, but what I've always found is that the debris left behind once the wax has melted out becomes so messy it just tangles up with the frames and makes for more work. It's far easier just to cut out the comb first, I find. I can get about 20 or 30 comb cutouts into the inner basket at one time, and once up to steam it melts out reasonably quickly. In that time, I can get on with cutting out more frames and so the routine continues. Meanwhile, Pete and Steph have done a great job getting the worst of the wax off the frames that I've cut out and we got through the vast majority of the pile in one day. The wax that's recovered from this rendering process is saved for wax exchange used to coat the plastic frames that we have or candle making. So it's a worthwhile exercise and of course it prevents the wax moth from taking over. There's probably one more day of frame cutout work before the job is complete, so I'm really happy with the start that we've made. I just need to keep my focus and get it done. The next stage of the job will be boiling up the frames, getting them dry, and then the final part is putting the foundation in. But the next job on the list will be sorting through the various hive parts that we've got and getting those scraped and scorched before a coat of wood treatment, and then putting them back together to form complete hives. The plan is to make up as many complete hives as possible with frames in ready to take foundation so that I can see exactly what boxes I have. Next year we're going to have all of our honey production colonies on Langstroth or commercial brood boxes so I need to sort through what I've got. Let me explain. Producing lots of videos to share has meant I've always tried to show a range of hive types but that presents its own challenges. Different frames won't mix with different hives and you can get in a muddle quite quickly. Add to that the fact that the sale of nukes has gone really well. Word has spread about the quality of our bees and we're providing more and more nukes to beginner beekeepers who in the main use national hives. The challenge therefore is having enough fully drawn national brood frames to populate the BS Honeybees nuke boxes that we tend to supply those nukes in. The solution that I've come up with, and it's not a new solution, is to use the national brood boxes as honey boxes along with our normal supers. But once the brood boxes are extracted, the frames can then be used in the nukes to provide an immediate boost of cells for the new queens to lay in meaning the workers don't have to use a lot of extra energy to produce wax to draw out foundation. 
The benefit to me is that all of the brood boxes we use will have plenty of room in them for the vast majority of our colonies, so I won't have to use any double brood, and these brood boxes hold enough stores to feed the colonies when forage is in short supply. My one concern with using national brood boxes as honey boxes is going to be the weight of them, but we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Overall, I think the plan is coming together nicely. Separate sites with either Langstroth or commercial hives, and we should have some sort of control in place at last. Of course, we'll still have some colonies in nationals for video production, but these will be handled a lot more, so won't necessarily be intended for honey production. More of my plans as we go forward into the winter, but for today, I wanted to give you all a task for this weekend. Head out into the countryside, find yourself a hawthorn bush or two, and gather 500 grams of hawberries. We're going to do some cooking. A couple of years ago, I made a sauce called haw ketchup, adapted to be sweetened with honey instead of sugar. And this year, I spotted some very nice looking berries. And it reminded me that I actually enjoyed not just using the ketchup, but the whole creative process was good fun too. So I thought we'd give it another go. It also makes for a really nice homemade gift to give people at Christmas or as a gift for maybe the landowners of your apiaries. The one thing I would say about collecting the berries is take a rake with you and lay a sheet or tarpaulin on the ground. Shaking the branches works out fine but it's far better to drag a rake down the branches of the bush or to use the rake to grab hold of a higher branch and give it a good shake. It's surprising just how many berries will drop but also a good number will stay attached to the tree or bush, so we're leaving some for the wildlife too. Try to take a little from several plants if you can, rather than stripping one plant completely clean, and then everybody can have some. You're also going to need 300 mils of vinegar, a cider or white wine vinegar is probably best, 180 to 200 grams of honey, depending on how sweet you like it, half a teaspoon of salt and some freshly ground black pepper. You could also add a fresh chopped chilli if you like it extra hot. The great thing is you can make it how you like it, so experiment with it. Now I know my cooking exploits are not always hugely successful, but this is a pretty foolproof recipe. Take the berries off the leafy stalks and wash them well. Stick the washed berries in a pan with the vinegar and 300 mils of water. Bring it to the boil and simmer for about half an hour until the skin split, basically. Rub this mixture through a sieve and you'll have a load of pretty large stones left over along with the skins. Pop the strained liquid back into a clean pan, add the honey and reheat to mix the honey into the sauce mix. Bring it to the boil and cook for a further five minutes. Add the salt and pepper and you're done. If you're going to use chilli, I would put that in at the beginning boiling process as well. Pour the sauce into sterilised bottles or honey jars and add a lid and a label. It will probably need to be used within 12 months, but I guarantee it won't last that long, honestly. What will last 12 months is an annual subscription to my podcast. Sign up on my Patreon page, grab a discount and catch up with my beekeeping tales each week as they're released. Well, that's it for this week. I'll catch up with you all again next time. But for now, I'm Stuart Spinks, and that was beekeeping short and sweet.